Hey guys, this is Mo Sider from the Detroit Red Wings. You guys listen to Lockdown Red Wings. You're Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Lockdown Red Wings podcast. Today is Friday, June 4th, 2021, and today's episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app from the App Store and find one of our locker rooms at Locker Room, changing the way that we talk sports. Exciting, exciting episode for you guys today. We have the man, the myth, the legend himself, Scouching, uh, in studio, a.k.a. over Zoom. Um, we were going to run the uh finished profiles today but the the i was looking back at the ones we ran earlier this week and uh we didn't have a lot i mean edvinson is a guy that could go top 10 but we didn't really have a lot of guys um in the mix yet who would be in play for the red wings with their first pick in the draft obviously we find out on wednesday night that that's going to be the sixth overall pick uh check out yesterday's episode we go over um you know players who we think might be available uh general lottery reaction stuff uh stuff like that so go check that out um but i wanted to to do an episode today where we profile a guy who the red wings could potentially take with that six overall pick and i don't know if it's going to be at this point, I feel like Ken Johnson might be a couple picks below them. Uh, but with the randomness of this year's draft, with the intrigue that Ken Johnson brings, uh, I I just wanted to run this one today. Uh, we'll 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 do um, the finished profile sometime next week. I think we're going to run a part two with scouting at some point next week where we go over Luke Hughes. That was an awesome episode as well. Uh, so you guys are going to enjoy that. Press the subscribe button. It's the only way to make sure that each and every morning when you wake up, uh, a new episode is ready and waiting for you. It's Friday, which means we got to do Lemon Tree Friday, which means we have to welcome in the fellas. I am Noel Bianchi. I've got Ethan Smith. I've got Scotty Bentley. The boys are buzzing. Actually, the boys are cozy. Two thirds of us are wrapped in a blanket right now. Uh, What's going on, boys? Hi, <laughs> thank you for having. Oh, okay, not not much. How's it going? Happy Friday. <laughs> Hi, thank happy you Friday. For yeah, Friday, happy man. Friday. Happy Friday. Uh, any big plans for the weekend? Nobody cares. Um, so we we have to do the Lemon Tree Friday update. Unfortunately, the Ken Johnson profile is going to be put on hold. Now you, we were told. Now we we the audience were told last week. You that are. this was the week the lemon tree would probably be moved outside. Scotty Bentley, as I'm looking at you right now, I cannot be all see a tree behind you. You do a tree with you lemons do. growing on it, sitting behind you in your yes, living room. I know what is up with that. So first off, I just want to say we have two decently sized lemons and one is starting <laughs> to even ripen. Like we have, <laughs> we have progress is being made. Um, I, I asked about the status of its location, uh, and, and I was told that, that there is literally a, a, a countdown happening that I was not aware of until I asked the question. And, uh, and, and this upcoming week, sometime early next week, it will be outside is what I'm being told. I, I don't by, see. By I don't people. know if I can be told that again. I've already been. I, I get it. Once. I get it. I, I, I get it. Given. Yeah. I get it. Do you that, trust see, issues what I would tell you, what I do, <laughs> what I would tell you is that, um, 
<laughs> the uh the the last one was was my guesstimation and this one is coming uh directly from the man in charge of uh it, it, the lemon trees location so that that's all i can really tell you um but but i totally understand having having reservations being told it a second time so we blame your father for the trust issues no you blame me because if i would have asked him earlier gotcha. he would have then told gotcha. me you know Bad probably not this week yes it's on me it's, uh, <laughs> it all falls back on me at the end of the day uh, all right, we're going to get into Kent Johnson's super fun interview. I think the one thing about this interview that uh, was interesting the most is when we started to dig into uh, some of his possession metrics, some of his turnover numbers. Uh, we go into that a little bit. There are a lot of things that detract from the amazing hockey player that Ken Johnson is. So we're going to get into uh, all of it. We're going to talk about whether or not we think he can overcome it. Uh, we're going to give you a full profile look at Ken Johnson, the University of Michigan winger. Uh, enjoy the episode. We'll see you back here uh, at the end. All right. At this time, we are joined by a very special guest. He is the founder of Scouching uh, on YouTube and Patreon. He's a McKean's hockey contributor. He does great draft analytics from his couch. Maybe that's why they call him Scouching. Uh, Will Scouch. Uh, we're here to talk about Ken Johnson and Luke Hughes today. What's going on, man? Happy to have you on the show, and uh, can't wait to talk some hockey. Yeah, me too. I'm excited. Uh, so let us talk about Ken Johnson to start, because the the video that I watched uh, on him that you posted, your, your overall scouting assessment, uh, was really interesting. It showed a lot, of, a lot of good. It showed a lot of not so good. And the video title was, If NHL 21 we're real. Can you go into a little bit about that and uh, how that accurately describes Ken Johnson's game? Yeah, um, it's funny. I mean, I guess what Ken Johnson, like there's a group of 10 players that I think all kind of are a mix and match of like the, the likely possible best group or best players in the draft. Uh, Ken Johnson, look, the video I made, it was very positive in many areas, but it was also like there were concerns. You know, I'm a fan of betting on a player when you see them at their best. And with Ken Johnson, the reason I mentioned that he's like a video game is because he plays like someone who's really good at NHL 21. Like the 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 deeks and the creativity and, you know, really next, I don't know about next level, but very complicated thinking patterns and such. He does all of that. Um, it's just that it's really extreme. And it's, it's to the point where it really affects his ability to generate production at five on five. You know, he's not the most active defensive player, so you're going to need to rely on him for offense, but he also isn't a player who you can consistently can rely on to create offense at five on five on the power play. He scores like it's nothing. So it's not like, you know, if I didn't like him, he wouldn't be in my top, I think 10 or 10 or eight in this year's draft. Like, and if he's the guy that gets drafted third overall this year, it, there's there's a universe where that makes all the sense in the world. Um, it's just that I think people latch on to that video game brand of style of play and go, he must be really, really good. But when you start to dig into it and you see him, you know, turning pucks over a lot and just a lot of things that, you know, fans, you don't want him to turn into that player where fans, you know, once in a while he makes the highlight reel, but then fans who really pay attention are like, yeah, but he's not like, he's good, but he's, 
really frustrating, you know? Mm. Uh, we just saw a lot of that with the Toronto Maple Leafs when they got eliminated. A lot of sort of fancy overhandling, overconfidence, whatever. And it's not just go out and play the game. So, I mean, I, I the way the video came out, I think it came out a little bit more negative than I than I think of him in real life. But the reason for that is because I think it's important to focus on everything as a whole and say, all right, well, you know, we need to focus on this more because it does affect his potential. Um, but I mean, I'm a huge fan of him and not very many players play like him. And uh, there is definitely a universe where he could be one of the best players to come out of the draft for sure. Yeah. And I do want to be fair to the way that you portrayed this. Like you were very complimentary of him um, in this video. And I think you did. a. I, I think you just did a good job of saying, Hey, wait, let's pump the brakes or Hey, wait, this is why he isn't ranked number one, you know, because I think uh, when he's at the height of his game, uh, he definitely has potential to, like you said, there is a world where he is a, a top three pick. But I think um, you you make a lot of good points in there in referencing his involvement percentage and how many, um, you know, dangerous shot attempts he's generating per game, you know, relative to the rest of his team. What did you see there? Because he comes out with a, a point per game in his freshman year, but a lot of secondary assists, um, only nine goals in 26 games, which is nothing to shake a stick at, but for an elite, elite prospect, um, maybe not as high as you would like to see it. I guess, I don't know. Where do you, where do you stand on that? Yeah. I mean, that's kind of where the puzzle started to come together for me. So, you know, when I looked at his data, like I use a website called pick 224, which pulls a lot of game sheet data and I use it to make more metrics with and everything. And one thing that really did stick out to me is that while his involvement in offense didn't really change from special teams to, to even strength, his primary points just plummeted. Um, and more so was about goals. And last year he had a hundred points and something like 60 assists. And so I'm thinking, well, what's the mismatch here? Um, and when I started watching him and tracking him, it's like, okay, now I kind of see it, right? Like as a power play, strictly focused offensive player, he has all the potential in the world. Like there, the, the, nobody, you know, when guys are more passive on the penalty kill, they're not challenging as much. They're not, uh, you know, challenging him directly as much. They're giving him some space to work with. He, there's a lot more one-on-one -on -one battles on a penalty kill. He can take those on and do it and find guys around the ice and generate points that way. But everything about it was sort of like, well, but like for me, I only track five on five minutes. Like I don't mm -hmm. really think too much. Like my philosophy is you can find players that play at five on five. And if they can play well there in certain areas of the game, then they should translate to a penalty kill or a power play. Like the way NHL teams sort of build their power plays or penalty kills. Like I can't imagine they're looking in the draft and going, well, this guy's really good on the power play in the Swedish junior league. Therefore in the NHL, we'll play him on the power play. I don't think that's how that works. You, there's a lot more to the picture, at least if I'm building a team. So with Johnson, um, yeah, he only scored nine goals this year, but I felt that over time, that was, that was a bit of an adjustment thing. Like the BCHL Canadian junior a to the NCAA, it's a pretty big leap, even for guys coming from the BCHL like him. So I think over time he started to get more confident off the puck. He was getting to the open, open ice in the middle of the ice a little bit more. He's a tipping threat. He knows how to score. Um, it's not like nine goals. It's like, you know, he doesn't know how to score goals. He was getting his chances more and more as the year went on, but again, very inconsistent at five on five and just 
not capable of consistently, you know, he could get the puck into the offensive zone, but then there he would hold on to it for second after second, after second, after second, look off a passing option here, look off another passing option there, spin and pivot in the corners a bunch of times, and then just turn the puck over. Cause he doesn't do anything with it. Um, I think that's fixable. I, and, and as in six of the seven games I tracked, I thought it was a big, big problem. But in the last one, it was an elimination game. He played much more simply, much more north-south, sort of simple, straightforward hockey. And, you know, the way I kind of phrased it at the end of the video is something that sticks with me. And that's like, he's like a really, he's a really well-equipped contractor who doesn't quite know how to like build a house yet. He, he has all the tools from Home Depot. He knows what he's doing. He's he, got the he, truck. Yeah, he's got the truck. He knows how to use all the tools. But it's like when you, you, you see the work that he does and you're like, okay, it's fine. But really, like mm. you, could do, you could do better probably. And it's, you know, that's nothing against him. He's got all the tools and he knows how to use them. That's, that, that matters. Um, it's just the rest of the picture I think is going to require some patience. And it really feels like people are anointing him uh, as, as something that he could be, but isn't yet and that always is something that kind of spooks me stonks memes rocket ships pew 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 <laughs> there you go day trading can be a lot of fun but if you want to grow your long-term wealth and make it to the moon you should open up a wealth front investment account today investing can be complicated whether you're a beginner investing for years Wealthfront makes it easy they have the right tools for every portfolio Wealthfront can create a portfolio of globally diversified, low-cost index funds personalized just for you in mere minutes. No manual trades, no picking stocks, no watching the stock market every day. They automatically handle all the investing based on preferences you control. All you need is $500 to get started. You can grow your wealth the easy way and let Wealthfront do all the work for you. Wealthfront is trusted with over $20 billion of assets and you can get your first $5,000 managed for free by going to Wealthfront.com slash LockedOnNHL. To get your first $5,000 managed for free for life, go to Wealthfront.com slash LockedOnNHL. That's W-E-A-L-T-H-F-R-O-N-T dot com slash LockedOnNHL. Start growing your savings. Go to Wealthfront.com slash LockedOnNHL and get started all right, next up, I got to talk to everybody about Built Bar, as always. Uh, Built Bar, did you know, if you listen to the show, you, you definitely know that Built Bar has nine delicious flavors, plus the occasional limited time flavor. They have coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, which is my personal favorite, double chocolate, salted caramel. Nolan loves to, to talk about his adventures with Built Bar, going on vacation, eating it, going on on the golf course and eating it and just showing how much it truly helps you out throughout your day, giving you an energy boost and also being so good for you. I have mine for lunch all the time now. It's it's one of my go-to lunches at this point. And again, my favorite flavor has to be the uh, the peanut butter brownie. They're 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, four grams of sugar, and four grams of net carbs. Order today. Get that peanut butter brownie. Get that mint brownie. Get that that salted caramel that, that Nolan talks about all the time. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use your promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your first order. That's the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Looks like Michigan will be going on the power play. Johnson stick handling his way in. Oh, what a goal. Gorgeous goal. 
Ken Johnson. How are you doing? So you think he has like a, does ooh, that sorry, make, wait, I didn't wait, mean to what, cut what, you off. No, you're good. I have, I have one thing specifically. I just have a follow-up question on that because what you just uh, said was the, what caused me to dig a little bit deeper when you, cause you said that in your video in the last game that you tracked, um, he did start to put it together and uh, the optimistic side of my brain, because I do like Ken Johnson. Like, obviously I watch Michigan a lot. Uh, I have followed Michigan since I was a child. Like I, I really, really am rooting for Ken Johnson to succeed. And so um, obviously this is uh, maybe a a little bit biased, but the reason I'm optimistic about that um, is because you saying that caused me to go back and, and look at his production in the BCHL from his 1819 season to his 1920. And uh, I only looked at the, the month of January. So I don't know. I'm not a big math guy. It's probably isn't a big enough sample size, but uh, so in 1819, he has four goals, three primary assists, four secondary assists, um, 11 points in eight games played with 55% of those points coming on the power play. And then uh, in 1920, he has nine goals, eight assists, three secondary assists um, for 20 points in 10 games played with only 10% of those points coming on the power play. And so those things that you talk about his uh, the, you know, the, the escapability sometimes that he doesn't quite have, but still tries to use things like that. Like I want to believe that he is going to come back next season. And like, I, there's a part of me that's like this, this kid really could be poised for a monster sophomore season at the university of Michigan. Yeah, absolutely. I could see that. And, and I think the big thing that kind of changed for me, you know, it's in that one game, that that one game I tracked that I saw, um, he his he, it wasn't like he was putting up more threatening numbers. It wasn't like he had the potential to score five points in that game, mm-hmm. but it was just more projectable. He was, you know, he was looking off opposing defenders, faking them out once, and then sending a pass to a winger that was a step ahead of him to enter the offensive zone. You know, before it really felt like he would try to make that entry on his own, drive wide to the boards, cut back, wait wait, 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 where it's a simple pass and a simple entry. Like it's a simple little thing, but mm-hmm. it, it pushes play in a way that when you watch the NHL, you're like, yeah, that happens way more often than guys trying to just put the entire line on his back and go in and and, and do that. I mean, again, I think he's poised for a, a huge sophomore year for sure. And like I said, like it, it's such an easy or such an even year that I think that if he goes at third overall, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, especially if the team had a good head on their shoulders, like the Anaheim ducks, if they went with Ken Johnson, I mean, if you've got Trevor Zegers and Ken Johnson on the same team with Jamie Drysdale on the back end, that is not the end yeah. of the world. You are happy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just weighing everything in, in, in the hole. Cause if he doesn't, you know, if he falls back on bad habits and how he naturally played, like you mentioned the BCHL, I watched him in the BCHL last year quite a bit because there was a lot of fanfare and he basically was doing what he was doing with Michigan, but he could get away with it because it's the BCHL. He was doing whatever he wanted, you know, and it was a simple matter of, you know, get the puck into a dangerous area, send a simple pass across the crease and the defensive pressure isn't good enough. And there's a guy there to just tap the puck in and he does that 50 times and he's got 50 primary assists. Um, it's just an easier league. So when there's more physical pressure, bigger, older, stronger players in the NCAA at five on five, it just shut him out a lot more than I expected. Um, but I, I think again, like you said, like he should get better next year and more confident and comfortable. Um, and as long as, you know, he has other weapons to work with and guys to get the puck to, and then maybe he can be also a scoring threat from time to time off the puck. 
I think you've got a great pick there. Like I said, he's in the top 10 for me. Um, and I mean, I would be surprised to see him slip past where I have him ranked, um, but I would not be surprised to see him available much higher or be taken much higher. So more general, I just kind of want to get your like overall uh, analysis of when I evaluate players, I like to do floors and ceilings. That's like, I, I get made fun of because I say all the time, I'm a big floors and ceilings guy. Right. So like if, uh, if, if, you talk about how his, his tools are there, but the production, you know, you talked about like the, the guy building the house, right? Like the production doesn't always line up with the tools all the time. If, if in just your like free range analysis where you can just go off, what, what do you think prevents him from, from not reaching that high ceiling? And, and what are the odds you think like is most likely he lands somewhere in the middle, I guess, maybe that's, that's mm -hmm. kind of unfair to say, but um, what's kind of preventing him or what might prevent him from taking that, that next leap to truly reaching his, his ceiling that's kind of laid out for him. Yeah. I, I think the big thing for him is just settling into a unit, right? Like recognizing that he, you know, will, he, he's not a guy that I think will drive 200 foot play all of the time. He was one of the least active defensive players that I've tracked on rushes, but he does have the willingness to like battle for pucks in the corners and, you know, he gets involved, but he's not the most effective player in that area. Um, the way I see it is the, the things he's, the funny thing about this draft is that there's a lot of players that I think have at the very high end, like really low floors, but really interesting potential. Sure. Um, you know, Owen power is another one of those players. Brant Clark, I think is another one of those players. William Eklund yeah. is another one of those players, maybe not so much William Eklund, but those other names for sure. I think there's a very wide Dylan Gunther is another one. There's a very wide range of possibilities, I think. Um, and Ken Johnson might be the widest. I mean, it, the thing with him, I think, that needs to be worked on is between his ears. And if that's the case, some people think that's a very difficult thing to manage. Some other people might say that it isn't. I think that's very dependent on the individual. And, you know, for me with Ken Johnson, like the issues were apparent very early and they did not seem to go away until his team was under threat of being eliminated. Um, I, I think that settling in and learning how to pull tricks out of his bag when they're needed. Like I talk a lot about a thing I call practical skill. You know, you can have all the skill in the universe. You can be the most skilled player in the world, but if you don't know how to use it and be, be, you know, turn it into something practical, escaping pressure, you know, managing multiple defenders, you know, going into really janky, bouncy puck scenarios under pressure and coming out with control of the puck. Those things are skill. And I think those things happen much more in the NHL and being able to work through those situations and come out with possession of the puck is something to look forward to. And if you can't do that, you're going to have trouble producing. So it's just for him about like pulling out what's needed. And, and when, you know, sometimes in the NHL, all you need to do is just send a pass back to your defenseman to get a better look at the offensive zone and trust them to also be able to chip in offensively. He can do tons of things on his own. Um, but if he's a guy who continuously tries to do things on his own, that's where I'm like, uh, it might be a bit of an issue, but beyond that, I don't, I don't really have that many concerns. Maybe he could be a bit quicker on his feet here and there, um, you know, push real heavy pace. He's not the fastest guy in the top end of this year's draft, but that's not the end of the world, especially with how skilled and, and creative he is. Like there have been many situations where guys close a gap on him in the neutral zone he looks like he's going to be taken into the boards and he just spins off and sends a backhand pass to someone streaking up the middle. Like those kinds of adaptive situations he can do. And he's very creative on, on the fly. 
Um, so again, it's just, it's a matter of, is he a fit for your team and like how wide of a, of a range of possibilities are there for him? And I think that it's massive, but, you know, assuming he works through the sort of mental processing of the game a little bit better over the next few years, I, again, like, I don't think there's any real concern. All right, just going to step in here really quick and talk to everybody about Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing. Uh, I'm currently watching uh, Casey Mize dismantle the Chicago White Sox. You can keep track of all that at Bet Online. Get the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, even UFC, MMA. A lot of good cards every Saturday. At Bet Online before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get in the game as teams prep for their runs in the playoffs, especially in the NBA and NHL. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Using the promo code locked on. That's promo code locked on and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sports book experts. Played it to the line. York held it in. Here's Johnson now. He waits in front, but there's and he scores on a pass from Kent Johnson. His second goal of the night, and it's 3 0. To that point as well about like the mental part, I, I, I think that there's like kind of a a chip on his shoulder where I felt like he was like coming into this year, trying to be, I, I wrote a feature on him back a couple months back, like mid season. And the thing that stuck with me and the, it was like really the only quote that I can like, remember looking at him and saying is he go, he said, I feel like people love to say, Oh, you won't be able to do that at the next level, or you won't be able mm-hmm. to do that at the next level. And I think that he goes out there with the intentions of proving people wrong and and proving that he can do those things and maybe over time that gets worked out but I I do think that that's that's you know probably where it stems from yeah absolutely I I can totally believe that and I do also would like I, I would like to delineate the difference between like you can't do that in the NHL and what will work I mean I think yeah. I think a lot of the stuff he tries like you see it in the NHL like guys do spin passes and think creatively on the fly more and more as time goes on and yeah there are probably coaches who will look at a guy like Ken Johnson and be like yeah you can't do that in the NHL so whenever you do it I'm benching you I don't think that's how you handle him personally but those coaches probably exist my approach would be go and try it right like you're trying and seeing what works I just want him to figure out a balance it's it's about balancing it he can try whatever the hell he wants, however many times he wants. But at some point, you know, you need to see results and improvement and actual tangible progress. And if, you know, yes, I get it. Like there's a chip on your shoulder. You want to prove that there are things you can do in the NHL. By all means, go out and do it. But there are flaws with that approach as he is right now. Uh, can it be fixed? Absolutely. But if his opinion is more, I'm going to do whatever I want because I can and prove everybody wrong. And he continues to kind of struggle in a multitude of different situations because he's trying to do too much. Um, You know, there's a difference between trying to do too much and not being successful and 
try people poo-pooing you because they think you're too fun or too skilled <laughs> you know like at, at a certain point yeah. you have to be able to look at your players and go like i can trust you at five on five to play you 20 minutes a night be the reliable scoring player and just not mess up and there's value in that and i think with kent if he never learns that balance that will be a problem but he you know assuming he does then yeah like he can go out and try whatever he wants. If I'm the one deploying him or whatever, like he can do whatever he wants. It's just make sure that it works more often than it doesn't, I guess. Yeah. And I guess uh, we'll, uh, the, the last thing we'll say before we wrap up on, on Ken Johnson is that I do like his situation at the university of Michigan. I do think he like has a very good coaching staff over there. And I'm also like interested to see too. Cause like, I mean, if you are bringing, all you know the fab five back i don't know what brisson or bordelo plan to do next season but if you you can bring back those uh all of those freshmen from this season that's that's going to be a pretty mm-hmm. disgusting team next year um and and he just i i really really he's a guy that like i kind of in the in the my heart of hearts know that I want the Red Wings to draft because he has like, he, he has those Holy shit moments. I call him like a Holy shit player. Like he just yep. does things. And like, sometimes you won't even notice it. I was at the, so I was at the Wisconsin game this year. One of the craziest things I've like ever seen that just went completely unnoticed was like, it was like, they were at the top of the circles in their defensive zone puck popped up in the air and he swatted it backwards off like the, the shaft of his stick and just like sprung veneers on like uh on a, a rush, he had like a defenseman that clipped him off and then he ripped a shot past yep. uh, like glove side. And I was just like, did anybody else see that? Like how that puck got to Beniers? Like that was insane. And like, that yep. was just, whoop. it was, it was very second nature for him. And I think a lot of times when you watch him, part of that uh, trying to do too much makes him look very unrelaxed as a hockey player. And so I hope that more than anything, he just looks like, he's not trying so hard and mm-hmm. I guess you could say yeah but. that that's definitely a factor and like yeah that's the thing he can try whatever he wants and he has the <laughs> skill he has the skill and capability to at least come close to pulling it off you know and and I want him to you know like I said there's a big spread here I don't know where he's going to get drafted I don't know where he's going to be a fit I don't know I don't think it, it I don't know he's not a guy if his name came up and I was on a at a at a draft table and it was like third or fourth overall, I would have time for that as long as the people understood kind of what we're talking about, you know, understood what we're, what we're dealing with here. Um, but it's when, I don't know, but anyway, uh, he's, he's one of the more interesting ones this year for sure to, to say the least. All right. That will do it for today's episode. Thank you so much to everybody who tuned in. Thank you so much to everybody who tuned in uh, all week. We had our biggest week ever again. Uh, we just keep smashing weekly records here at the lockdown Red Wings podcast. And we owe it all to you, the listeners. So thank you so much. If you haven't, uh, if you're not a dedicated listener yet, I can assure you that you will be, if you just keep giving us a chance, uh, we got lots more of these on the way. We're going to have, this is going to be a very guest heavy show uh, as the off season rolls on. And so sometimes it's not always easiest, uh, the easiest thing for us to, to get on the same page and book a guest uh, at the same time. But that is going to change now that the off season is here. We're going to continue to bring in the experts. We're going to continue uh, to inform you, learn a little bit ourselves along the way and have a lot of fun while doing it. So we'll see you back here uh, on Monday. We're going to run the Luke Hughes profile with scouting. Uh, we got two more profiles coming with scouting later on in the month. Uh, we looked at uh, 
Carson Lambos and Zachary LaRue today with him. Uh, so that was a lot of fun as well. Uh, anything else, boys, before we head off into the weekend? Uh, no holidays this weekend, to my knowledge. I always forget to like address those. Um, so I think, that, uh, I think that's yeah, all we got. I don't think uh, I don't think any holidays uh, uh, this weekend. So I, I think you're in the clear. But Ethan's yeah, got a big like, uh, move this weekend. Yeah, yeah. big move. Couldn't be me. All right, real I'll talk, to you. We'll talk to you guys like on. Uh, <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> I said real cheese moving silence like lasagna. That's wow. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll see you back here tomorrow for Monday, same time, same place, your team every day. Jesus God, I mean, really. Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.